want to ask you a question. What comes to your mind when you think about the life that you've always wanted? Just right now. What does it look like? The life that you always wanted. What's that look like? Maybe it's uh, financial freedom. Maybe it's uh, maybe being healthy. Maybe being young again. Or being old but still feeling young again. Right? <laughs> maybe it's uh, a life traveling the world. Or maybe it's just simply vacationing in, in the mountains. I love the mountains. Maybe the beaches just in the, in the U.S. Maybe the life you've always wanted is just simply being happily married and enjoying wonderful friendships. Now, these are all wonderful things, good things. But what if the life that you've always wanted isn't quite what you think? What if it maybe misses the mark a little bit? What if I told you, though, that the Bible tells us exactly, tells us how to have the life that we've always wanted? A life that is incredibly effective and and fruitful and flourishing and filled with purpose and meaning. Would you be willing this morning to maybe make some changes in the way that you think? Or maybe in the things that you, you do. If you knew that it could make a difference. Over the next couple of months, we're going to look at really seven ingredients or seven qualities, seven steps from God's Word that will lead you to a life that you've always wanted. But here's the hint. Again, it may not be exactly what you think. <laughs> now, before we jump in, I, I want to take you back to the time of, the time of Jesus. It's right before His, his arrest and trial and crucifixion. He and the disciples had just celebrated the Passover meal in an upper room in Jerusalem. That evening, Jesus and his disciples, when they finished in the upper room, they, they went out and they traveled east to the, uh, just outside of Jerusalem to the, to the Mount of Olives. It's a beautiful place there that Jesus uh, spoke to his disciples and he, he said something that that kind of shook them. He said that here soon that they would all fall away from him. They would all fall away from him. Now, Peter was, he's kind of this energetic one, and he, he jumps up, he chimes in, and he's like, Jesus, no, 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 I will, I will never fall from you. I will never fall away from you. And Jesus I can just imagine, kind of pulls him to the side, puts his hand on his shoulders, and looks him in the eye, and he says this, Matthew 26, 24, Truly I tell you, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me. How many times? Three times. He's like, no, 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 I won't do that. But that's exactly how that evening and early morning unfolded. Peter would strongly, in fact, he would make a, a vow. I don't know this guy. I don't know him. Not once, not just twice, but three times. And immediately after that third denial, he hears the rooster crow. His heart is quickened. 
The scripture says that he left and wept bitterly. Now after Jesus was raised from the dead, Peter had, he had returned to his old profession. He and some of the other disciples were out uh, fishing and Jesus comes along. They didn't recognize him. He was there in the shore and he, they had been fishing. They hadn't caught, any, caught anything. And, and again, these guys are professionals. And Jesus looks out, and again, they don't, see, they don't know who, who he quite is, but he's like, hey, throw your nets on the other side. And they, they do that. And as soon as they throw them out there, they're filled with fish, so much so they can hardly get it in the boat. And all of a sudden, the disciples, they were like, this is a miracle. And they, they look, and they're like, that's Jesus. And you know what Peter does? He jumps out of the boat where he puts his cloak on, he jumps out of the boat, and he swims right up to Jesus, up to the bank. Jesus had a little, little fire going there. He already had some fish on there. And he said, when the guys finally got the boat in and, and all the fish, he took a few more fish. And, and they had a really sweet conversation. Here, Peter, broken from the denial, and Jesus has a, an incredible conversation with him. He asked him three times. And I think the reason he does it three times, he's covering up those, those three denials. He's like, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, of course I love you. Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you love me? I want you to feed my sheep. The church. The church. And it may have been this encouragement that moved Peter from grief and guilt to courage and commitment. Peter would soon preach with incredible passion there that day of Pentecost, there in Jerusalem, and 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. The church was born. He would pen two letters to the churches that are scattered throughout modern-day Turkey who were beginning to experience some significant trials and persecution He'd encourage them to, to grow in their faith and love and devotion to God, even in the midst of, a, of pretty significant suffering. He tells them how that they can live the life that they've always wanted. A life that's lived for the praise and glory of God. So I want to invite you to... to to read with me the beginning of his second letter, 2 Peter. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter's in the back of your, almost toward the end of the Bible. If you open it up, you see Revelation, then you can go back to Jude, and then there's the three letters of John, and then you have Peter, 2 Peter. And I want us to read there in chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And we're going to be spending seven weeks in these verses, you're like, what in the world? John, you usually preach like whole chapters at a time. This one we're going to chew on a little bit. I'm going to set the table, and then over these next few weeks, we're going to look at each of these qualities that will help us live the best life, experience the best life that we've always wanted. Second Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. If you have one of those pew Bibles, you can find it on 1018. Follow along as I read. 
says His divine power, or God's divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may be, become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, because of this, what I, what I just said, for this reason, make every effort to supplement or add to your faith, add faith with virtue, and, with vir- and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing or growing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, they will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a thick passage. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage. I want you to first notice that God has supplied us with everything that we need for life and godliness. Let's look at God's supply. Verse 3 says that it's His divine power that's the source of His supply for us. Now, we're not talking about reliant energy. We're not talking about the Texas electrical grid. We're not talking about all the power that's, that's in the United States or even in the world. We're not even talking about all the power that's in our sun. In fact, if you took all of that together, it would be like a little drop in the ocean, not even noticeable. God's power, God's power is supernatural, divine power. His power is limitless. It never falters. There are no roaming blackouts with God's power. It is from this source It is from God's divine, His supernatural, limitless power that that we have the life we've always wanted. It's the source. And notice that it says that from this source we have been granted some things. Right? No. Most things. No. An abundance of things. No, that's not it either. It says that we have been granted all things. All things. We lack nothing. God has supplied everything. Everything that we need in this life to live for fully. To the believers in Philippi, Apostle Paul says it this way, Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to to the riches, to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. 
Again, that's that unlimited source. The riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God has given us everything that we need. Friends, everything that you need to flourish in this life, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your parenting, in every aspect of life and in godliness. He supplies everything that you need in times of triumph. And He supplies everything that you need in times of trial. No matter the circumstance, we can have an abundant life now and forever. Jesus says it this way at the the end of uh, John 10.10. He first says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then he says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. Jesus came that we might not have just a little bit of life or an okay life. He wants us to have life to the full, abundant life. Friend, are you experiencing abundant life? Do you want to know how to experience the fullness of abundant life? Let's go on. God's supply. Not only do we have God's supply, we also have God's gifts. To flourish in life and godliness. God has given us, in our passage, it says two, two specific gifts. Two gifts. The first is found there in the second part of, of chapter, or verse 3. It says the, the knowledge of God. He has supplied everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Now, this is more than just a, a basic, like, head knowledge. It's a different word. There is a word, an original word for that, and it's called gnosis. This is epinosis. It's a, it's a deeper, deeper kind of knowledge. It goes beyond just a mental um, understanding of, of who God is. This is much more profound. It grips the, the very depths of our hearts. It's a knowledge that comes through a genuine life-giving relationship with, with God. It's the difference from like just reading about God and kind of knowing Him and walking with God, and experiencing that relationship. But how do, we, how do we know God? I mean, how do you and I know God? Well, we know Him through His, through his Word, right? Without this book right here, we would not know God. This is how we know. This is how God chose to reveal Himself, to show Himself, so that we can understand His character, His nature, the, the way he, he works, His desire to, to bring us out of our own sinful hopelessness and into the, the light of his, of his presence. This is why spending time with God, both personally and corporately, friends, is, is so important. It's why we gather to know Him and to, to worship Him. And I, you know, I don't want us just to, to come to life groups and, and gather here and just leave going, oh, okay, I, I know a little bit more. I mean, there's, that's good. But I want, us, I want you, I want you all to, to leave here wanting to know Him more. Your heart going, oh, I, God, God is, why is he, why has he rescued me? Why does he love me in such a way? 
and to leave here going, I want to I pursue him with, with deeper fervor. And we, all that we do here as a church, we don't do it just to, so that we can um, have, you know, have more, again, knowledge. I have a couple of degrees. I have, you know, I have them in my office and there they are you know, from Baylor and the different seminaries. And it's great. It says that I've accomplished something, but those things mean nothing, really. And I get to heaven and it's like, hey, where's your, where's your plaques? Where's your degree? Did you bring them with you? No, he's like, come. And I'm going to be, those things don't even matter anymore. Because then it's, it's Jesus, the one I've been seeking, one I've been worshiping, the one I've been loving. Now I get to be with him. But why do we, why do we wait for that? Friend, we get to do this today. We are here today. You are here right now. Not to just walk through this passage and go, okay, now we, we learn a little bit more. We know, oh, we want to leave here knowing you, know, you know me. You kind of know me, right? Some of you more than others. But you don't know me like my wife knows me. You had that head knowledge of me. Oh, that's the pastor. And you know, I mean, he, he, he's, he's not very good at pickleball. <laughs> All the other things. But my wife knows. She knows my longings, my hurts, my weaknesses, my strengths. See, God knows us in that way. And I don't want to just know him. I want to. I want to know him. Does that make sense? Friends, let's not leave here with a little bit more knowledge about God. Let's leave here walking deeper with him. It's also why life groups are, are so important. Again, we teach the Bible in there. We walk through. We, we want to grow. But those are there. Yeah, we, we experience community there, but it's it's about growing in our love for Jesus. I mean, when you gather in your life group, don't just go in there to like just hang out. Go in there like, all right, hey, God, I'm, 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 we're walking into the very presence of God. We're opening up his word, the way that he's revealed himself. Oh, God, I want to know you more. I want to I walk with you. I want to be close. I want to draw near to you, like the song we just sang why we're starting some new groups. You, you heard Rachel mention them. This coming Wednesday, we have new groups. I would encourage you to come, come be a part. We have a women's study called Seamless. Ashley Whitaker and Robin Townsend will we'll have them on Wednesday and also on, on Monday morning. We have a men's study. It's Tony Evans, No More Excuses. It's a great, it'd be a great challenge for, for men to come be a part of that. Galen Gilmore, Richard Whitaker, facilitating that. I'll be leading a, a new class, a parenting class called Parenting Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. We'll be looking at Paul Tripp's book. Craig Ayers will be leading a co-ed study on spiritual warfare. And we're, a, we're a church that's growing, new ministries, things are happening here. The enemy would love to come in and, and, and dampen what's going on in our church. Spiritual warfare. We have things for children and youth. Come be a part. Again, not to gain more head knowledge, but to know Him. Oh, that we might know Him and the power of His resurrection.
There's a second gift that's found in verse 4. The promises of God. Peter says that he has granted us his precious and very great promises. I like that. His promises are precious. They are treasured. And they are, they're not just nice promises. They are, they're, they're more than just good promises. They are very great promises. Just like the knowledge of God, we, we take hold of these promises through His Word. We, we find them in here. We don't just come up with them on our own. You know, some have estimated that there are, in the Bible, some, some like 9,000 promises for us. Promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. It's why it is through Him that we utter our amen, or so be it. That's right, God, for your glory. He makes a promise, and we, He's going to keep it. They are 100%. He does not falter on His promises. You can bank on every one of them. It's upon His promises just like the song that we, we sang. It's on His promises that we stand and we find strength for today. And we find our hope for tomorrow. Because sometimes the promises aren't just for right now. But we hold on to them knowing that they will be sure in the days to come. It's upon His promises that we withstand the, the storms and climb the mountains. I want to encourage you as you read the Word. To find some way to to just highlight the promise. You come across a promise and just maybe put a star there. Um, Underline it. What I do, I think I may have said this before, I I color up my Bible. And I'll take a blue little, um, what are the little pencil? Color pencil. Blue for me is promise. So every time I come across, as I'm reading, I come across a promise, I color it in blue. And there's times in my life, particularly when I'm getting, when I'm a little discouraged, when it's like, oh, this, when things get a little challenging, or I just feel blah, I go and I read the blue. And I just like, God, thank you. And I'll flip, oh man, look at that, blue everywhere. Thank you, God, thank you. Read this, oh man, that's a, I need to hear that. I need these promises. You need the, we need these promises. It's how we stand, it's how we endure Standing upon the promises of God. Star them, underline them, highlight them. It's through, again, His promises that the Scripture says that we become partakers or participants in His divine nature. It's, we are on this journey. We, we are constantly growing. If we're walking with Christ, we don't just stay stagnant. We are growing. We are becoming more and more like Jesus. And one of these days, we will fully participate in the divine nature. We will become all that God wants us to be. We will experience the life, ultimately, that God wants us to have. And that's the life that I want to live now. Growing, complete, becoming more and more like Christ. God's going to, through His promises, carry us through this life on earth and into life in heaven with God where, where you and I will be made complete. Finished work. I don't know if you noticed as we were reading the passage, there's a couple of promises right there. Look at verse 8. In my Bible, I'll just, look, you see it? See the blue? It's blue right there. Boom. Blue. Promise. Verse 8. 
For if these qualities, and he had just listed seven of them, if these qualities are yours and are increasing and growing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a promise. If you have these qualities and they're growing, they're increasing, you are going to be fruitful and effective. You're going to be fulfilled. You're going to live a life on mission for God. That's the life that we want. Not just some hanging loose, um, do my job. Those, again, those are great things. Go on my vacation, whatever it is. But to be used by God, to be fruitful, to bear spiritual fruit that changes lives. That's the kind of life that I want to be a part of. And if these qualities of ours, he promises, he says they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we take hold of these qualities and nurture them, they will keep us, again, from being ineffective. That's why we're going to spend seven weeks talking about these various qualities. I'm kind of laying the table out for us. We're going, to, we're going to dig into these. And my encouragement is that we're going to, we want to grow in these. Because we as a church, we want to be effective. We want to be fruitful. And I want you, I want all of us to link arms together as we seek to bring the gospel out into our community. I want us to be fulfilled. I want us to, to, to live on, on, on mission, to make an impact into eternity. And we need to be growing in these in these seven qualities. There's a second promise found in verse 10, right there in the blue. Peter says that if we put these qualities to use, notice what it says, we will not fall. We sang it earlier, standing on the promises, I cannot fall. That's right out of the word. We will not fall. We will not stumble. The life you've always wanted can be effective and fruitful and free from falling. Do you want your, your marriage and parenting to be free from falling? It won't be perfect. Again, this isn't just some pie-in-the-sky dream. This is a promise. God makes a promise to us. It's a sure reality and assurance. It's something that we can place our hope in and something that we can experience. But what I want you to see is God's plan. His plan. Earlier I mentioned that these, there are these seven ingredients, seven steps, seven qualities from God's Word that will lead you into the life that you always wanted. Here they are. begins in verse 5. Look at it again with me. I want us to zero in on this first quality. It says, for this very reason, because of all of this, because of all that we just said, make every effort to supplement or to add to your faith, add to your faith virtue. We're to make every effort. We are to approach this assignment from God with all diligence and zeal. So today, you're hearing this. This is God calling you and me be with all diligence. Get on this. Pay attention to this. Don't walk out of this room without going, all right, I'm, I'm going to do business with God. I'm going to take this seriously. He's asking us to give this focus. There's some urgency about this. Our time on this earth is short. And it goes by quickly. 
10 million, no, 20 million people here in Texas that don't know Christ? I mean, we, we can't just sit idly by. We've got to do something, and God has brought us together. Now, we're, we're they're not, I mean, we're, we're, here we are in this room. I don't know, maybe there's 200 of us here on this campus or so. We're not at some mega church. But we're, when we're connected to that divine power, He's given us everything that we need to accomplish all that He's called us to accomplish, both in our homes and in our church and community and world. Again, there's so much at stake. Our own lives, our friendships, our marriages, our families, our church family, our community. We don't want to leave here today without some sort of game plan, some step forward that will lead to change. We're to supplement. We're to add to our faith. Now, here's the thing about this list. They're they're not just independent um, qualities that stand on their own. In fact, they are both interrelated and they're interdependent. I was trying to just think of how these, these fit together. And what comes to my mind is, uh, it's like those, I've, I've seen pictures, I've never really taken a, but those, those, I don't even know what kind of watch it is, but it has all those gears in it, you know, or um, uh, I've seen movies that have all these gears. Faith is like the main gear. It, it, it's like, that's our faith, our, our relationship with, with, with God through Christ. Faith. And then we have all of these qualities that fit in. We add them, and it's like a gear. So this gear, and this one, like virtue is the first one, and it clicks on there. And then the next one comes in, and it clicks in there, and you get all of these, and they're all working together. We need all of these. There's a sequentialness to this, and as we, as we go through these next weeks, you're going to see how why virtue is first, and then this next one fits, and they all we get down to... Uh, brotherly affection, or phil- it's the, the Greek word philodeo, or brotherly love. And then lastly, we get to agape, or godly love. They all build there. And when all these are together and functioning and working, look out. Look out. We are to add to our faith virtue. And this is a beautiful, beautiful word. It carries the thought of being excellent, honorable, things that are Worthy of praise. In its purest definition, virtue is to, in a sense, to to see and acknowledge all the greatness and goodness of God. God is perfectly virtuous. He is perfectly honorable and worthy of praise. And so for us to add to our faith, virtue is to look upon and acknowledge all that God is and all that he's done and promised and given us. First Peter, his first letter, back in chapter 2, verse 9, it says this. This is what God has done for us and in us. He says, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So he's transformed us. He's made us into these things with purpose that you may proclaim the excellencies. That's the same word as the word virtue the excellencies, the the virtues of Him, God, who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Everything about God, His character, His nature, 
His name, His attributes, His, his work, everything about Him is excellent, honorable, and worthy of praise, virtuous. You can see God's virtue all around you. It's all around us. You see it in creation. I was reading this, this um, an article. Right now there's a, there's a comet. Uh, you may have read about that. There's this comet um, uh, cutting across our uh, horizon. Comet Nishimura. Some, um, it wasn't a scientist or astrologist that, that saw this. It was uh, just a normal guy who found this thing. They named it after him. And if you look, in fact, it's, I think, t- tonight or in the morning, just around, um, just before the, the dawn, if you look out into the east, you look very carefully over by Venus. And you can have to search this up. You can see this, you see this comet, and it's, got, it's, it's green. It's got a little green tail to it. And it's like, and this comet only comes around every 435 years. So if you don't see it now, you won't see it again. Unless you're supernatural. So like, what in the world? Why would God create a comet that only comes around 435 years? Because he's awesome. And we see just a little bit, and that's just one little aspect. I mean, you just look up into the sky and you can't go, my goodness, God is great and greatly to be praised. But not only do you see him in, in creation, you see him in, in, as we reflect upon what he's done for us. I love um, going back to the book of Ephesians. And you read just, just chapter 1. Beginning in verse 3, blessed, listen to these things. Blessed be the God and Father of, a, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's being, again, being connected to that divine uh, power source. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, his son Jesus. See, God has blessed you. God has chosen you. Before you were even born, before the creation of the world, he had his mind, his thoughts, his heart upon you. That'll just blow you away. That's God's virtue. He's, that's who He is. Not only that, He's adopted you. He now calls you His own. You're His child, His son and daughter. That makes Jesus Christ, in a sense, our brother. And we, together, we've been united with Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. All of these things. We've been rescued out of our sin, delivered from it. And we've been given the promise of eternal life. And he gives us, in the midst of even our trials and struggles, he gives us hope, the ability to to live and enjoy the fullness of life now, no matter the circumstance. To add to your faith virtue is to see God for who he is and what he's done. So here's, just give you some, some simple steps. Here's how you can add virtue to your faith. 
before you go to bed, maybe each night this week, pray for missions. Pray for our state missions. And then just pause for a moment and think about something. And just how have you seen the, the greatness and the goodness of God in your life that day? If you'll pause and just think about it. Before you go to bed, I, I'm, I don't want to promise, but I'm, I can be very confident that there's, you'll, there's something there. There's something will be there. Encouraging smile of a friend. Heart of wonder from your child. Beauty of the sunrise or sunset. The blessing of God's provision through your job. Miracle of salvation. I mean, if nothing else, just think about what God has done. You and I were, we were lost. We were sinners. We had turned from God rebelled against him, sinned against him. We didn't just turn away from him. We turned against him. And that was sin. And that broke our relationship. And there was nothing that we could do to restore it. I mean, nothing. We could try, but there was nothing. God had to intervene. And this is what he did. You know that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. In love, he gave his son. Jesus came, lived the perfect life, went to a cross and died the death that we deserve. He was buried. He rose from the dead three days later. And for everyone who turns and trusts in him, we are buried just like Christ. And we are raised as new creations, new. We are brand new people. We're given new hearts. That old heart of stone like that picture over there becomes a heart of flesh. It becomes alive, spiritually alive. We get to live our best life now. And it isn't quite what we think. It's not how the world describes it. As you bask in virtue, connect it to your faith. Connect it to your faith. Give thanks and praise to God and then share it with someone. Share it with someone to declare, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Tell it. It's not to be kept under a bushel. There's an old kid's song about that. Hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Go let it shine. People need to hear about it. Three simple steps to add virtue to your faith. See the greatness and goodness of God in your life. Give thanks and praise to God. Thank Him for it. And then share it with somebody. This means to be diligent in adding virtue to our faith. We've got to maybe set some old habits aside. Things that just waste our time. Things that are just... And I've got them in my life. Maybe part of the step is to like, hey, I'm giving a lot of time in this thing over here and I, I need to focus a little bit more over here. Maybe just simply having some conversations around the dinner table. Man, how has God blessed us? How have we seen him at work? Friends, the life you've always wanted begins with faith. A growing relationship with God through Jesus then that faith is enhanced by 
by virtue. Things that are excellent. Things that are honorable. Things that are worthy of praise. Philippians says that we're to think on these things. And as you add virtue to your faith, you're on your way to a life that is incredibly effective, fruitful, and honors the Lord. Let's leave here diligently adding virtue to our faith. And let's begin to see what God can do. Pray with me. Father, your word here tells us to be diligent in this. I speak for myself, but I think I speak for all of us. Father, sometimes it's just hard. We, we get into the motions, sometimes just go through the motions of the day. We get into the distractions of social media or whatever it is. And it, it, it maybe blinds us from the excellencies that are that are all about us, the things that, that you have done in creation, the things that you are doing all around us every day, the things that you're doing in people's lives, the things that you're doing in our family's life, the things that you're doing in our friendships, in our marriages, and almost importantly, the things that you have done in our lives, saving us from ourselves, saving us from, from our sin, and bringing us into the glory of a relationship once again with the one who is all powerful and all good and so faithful and has given us promises that are precious and very great. Oh God, help us to stand on them. Help us to claim them this week. Help us to see the good and excellent virtuous things of you and connect it to our faith all for your glory. God, we want to live a life that's fruitful and effective, that abounds, that that touches not just our lives and our homes, oh, that it would do that, but even more, God, that that we would proclaim the excellencies, the virtues in our own communities, in our workplaces. God, stir our hearts to get serious about it. Time is short. We give you praise. God, thank you for the miraculous work of salvation. God, if there's those, anyone here or maybe listening online that hasn't taken that step, all of it, maybe today would be the day to come and visit with me, maybe down front or in the foyer at the end of the service. There is no greater step than to to set in motion that first gear, faith, trusting in you. So Father, we give you praise. We thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment. Help us now to, even as we sing, to do business with you. We pray in Jesus' name.